to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. In Luke chapter 17 verse 12, it's a story we've probably read 40 times, but we're going to read it the 41st time, okay? Uh, Then as he entered a certain village, they met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there, were there not, not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Uh, an, an amazing story, and sort of you can read through the story and you get sort of think like, Oh, yeah, that, that's a great story. But there's a lot in the story, if we understand the culture and the background, that we can almost miss. <laughs> Uh, because in, in Leviticus, it said, especially for lepers, um, they sort of were their own colony. Uh, and it's amazing here. Yeah, we find the story of the Jews and the Samaritans, these lepers. They, they just, they're just connecting because they, you know, they're so needy and they were supposed to be almost 50 or 100 meters from people. You're not, you were not allowed to come close to any people. And even if you would come close enough, you had to scream, unclean, unclean, so that people could just walk another road. Um, I, I think there's, there's one time in my life that really challenged me was when we in Varanasi, in the, in the north of India. Now, Varanasi is the holy city um, of where Buddhism and Hinduism was, was sort of birthed. And, um, and there you get a lot of leprous colonies, and especially... Um, it's it's like chaos, you know. It's, I call it the devil's bedroom, Varanasi. So don't go there on holiday. You're not going to have a lot of holiday. But there they burn the the bodies, and they sort of you get the smell of of all the flesh burning. And they've got these these gats where the people it's like steps that people walk down and they go and bath there. Uh, it's very very dirty. So um, you get these kids playing around, brushing their teeth on the one side, and then you get some corpses just drifting there in the river because they believe if you throw somebody into the river, um, especially like priests or ladies that were pregnant that died, uh, or if you're bitten by a snake, they've got these funny beliefs. But if they throw the corpses in there or the cows or stuff, that those people are going to go straight to heaven. So going down to this river that day, uh, and you see the kids bathing here, and you see all this stuff, and, and then especially, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but, you know, then the people say, no, the river is actually clean. Uh, it's just the dirt in the river that is dirty. I'm, I've been trying to figure that out for 15 years, but, but anyway, I still don't know how that works. But, but uh, <clears throat> coming to that place where you then see this leprous colony, and you actually come close to people, um, that, that their flesh are basically rotten. Uh, they, they lose a lot of their limbs. Um, it's, it's, not a, it's not an easy sight to actually even come close to people like that. Um, and, and it's amazing that Jesus is attracted to the worst kinds of people or the people that are in the greatest need. If, we, if we're really honest, for many of us uh, that grow up in a society where there's even a, maybe a street person coming to ask 
for something, then we sort of, the first thing we want to do is we just want to get rid of them. So we rather give money than engage, uh, than talk to people because either they're smelling or, you know, we, just, we sort of just want to ease our conscience a little bit. But Jesus wasn't afraid to go to people like that. And he wasn't afraid because here yeah, in this story, he confronts all of our um, sort of comfort zones and he confronts a lot of things um, in the scripture when, when it comes to engage with these 10 lepers. And um, I remember being in, in another time in India um, and going on the train from, I think it was Hyderabad up to the north. And in the middle of the evening, I realized that there's a leper person sleeping underneath the bed that we're sitting in the train because I wanted to vomit all the time because of the stench of that flesh. I hope not one of you are hungry, but I'm going to tell you lots of stories like that today. So just keep your, your stomach going. Because I, I, want to, I want to picture the picture. This, is, this, is, this wasn't a nice picture. This is, wasn't like, oh, okay, you, we bless you, you know, and, and just be afar off. But Jesus, Jesus came very close to people like that. And so, so the, the rule was you had to stay far from people if you were a leper. And the other thing is, is priests, the priests had to investigate all the time. They had to look, and if you wanted to be cleansed even of leprosy or if you were cleansed, you had to go to the priest, and then the priest would declare whether you were allowed back into society. And so, so this is a powerful picture of Jesus saying, okay, go and show yourself to the priest. Now, yeah, for some of us that, that really pursuing the supernatural in our lives, it's already a challenge because they were not healed immediately. <laughs> Jesus actually tells them to do a religious ritual. And in the process of the religious ritual or discipline, they got healed. So, so especially if you grew up a little bit more in a conservative background, then do you know what we do is we, we sort of want to run away from discipline we want to run away from, no, no, you know, I'm not a quiet time person, type of person that every morning, you know, spends time with God because I'm, I'm free. I've got a relationship with Jesus. And, um, uh, you know, and especially people that sometimes pursue the Holy Spirit, they think the Holy Spirit is a mist that blows in and blows out and makes His appearance in different places. But the Holy Spirit is a person. And so, so when you and I um, want to pursue God, there's a spiritual discipline. There's a lot of spiritual disciplines like fasting, like prayer, which is a lifestyle. It's not something we just do. And so here Jesus sort of honors the ritual of the day. He's like, lepers, go. <laughs> go and show yourself to the priest. And as they walk out to the priest, they are immediately healed. They healed, but they have not been declared free to engage with society again. And in the process of these lepers walking to the priest, one of them realizes, whoa, I've just been healed. Look at what happened. <laughs> I probably need to go back to the source of where this healing came from. Just, just to do one thing, a very simple thing is to go and do, say thanks. So he interrupts his complete freedom because he's only really free after the priest has declared him to be free when he can engage with society again because the priest would inspect you. And uh, even if you had a little like a, a little koliki or something, what is like a little dot, you know, you, you would like really check out and after a week you had to come back again. If it grew, then you would say, no, unclean, unclean. Or if it, if it was healed, then it was a whole process. It wasn't just a once-off thing. So, so the challenge is in, in this process of, of they 
being healed, this one guy, this Samaritan, realizes, hey, I need to go back. <laughs> I actually need to go to the source. I need to go and discover much more. And the door that it opened or that he opened was through Thanksgiving. And we're going to talk a little about that this morning. Because many times we, we come to God and, and, and we, we are with Him in our heads and we sort of become ritualistic in what we do, but then we forget who God is. Because we get so used to being used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, we're going to come to church. And you know, it's a discipline to come to church because you could have been cycling or could have been sweating or could have been out there. So it's, it's, a, great, it's a great discipline to come and to connect with the family of God. <laughs> but in the middle of that discipline, what, what's happening in your heart? What's happening? What is God doing in your heart? <laughs> and, and this is why this scripture is so challenging. Because all of us, we come, sometimes we come to church even, hey, I'm going to meet people, or I'm going to drink that like a coffee, or I'm going to socialize. We all have different reasons, and, and our motives stink a little bit when we, when we come, you know? Because, uh, yeah, yeah, I come because I must come. And I want to especially talk to people that have been serving God for more than two years. We lose some stuff. We lose that awe of Christ. We lose that ability just to throw ourselves at God. And this is the picture of this leper, this Samaritan leper. He comes and the Bible says he doesn't just come and say, Oh, you know, let's be dignified. Um, um, thank you, Jesus. It's an, the Bible says he cries with a loud voice. Thank you, Jesus! Now everybody's awake. Okay. <laughs> I love what Reinhard Bunker says. He says, Dignity is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that's, that's why, you know, when, when David's wife was standing up there and, and the Ark of the Covenant came back, David danced in front of all the people and he just went, uh, what do you call it here in Johannesburg? Maracas? Bos? What, what do you call it when you just go ballistic? I don't know. What's the name here? Come, Joburg people. Same, same. We go thunderstorm. We go lightning. Okay, lightning McQueen. Okay, here we go, you know. So, so we go boss. And so, so I lo love what, what David said, you know, when, when his wife was standing up there. And it's a picture of, of the church today. Because his wife was saying, oh, David, how can you dance like this? How can you be like this down there? And then I love what David says. He says, I will become more undignified than this. Because I'm not dancing for the people. I'm not doing stuff out there. I've discovered who God is. Now, let me talk to charismatic people here because we think that charismatic people are not religious. We are the most religious people. Why? Because we sing nice songs. And we engage our emotions, but many times not our hearts. We become very emotional. and Oh, that nice song. And you know what the problem is? We put it on in our radio, on, on the car, on the CD in the car. <laughs> and then we sing the worship songs because it's nice rhythm. It's nice stuff that we do. And we feel good about it. But there's something deeper God wants in your heart, sir. There's something deeper that He wants. He wants you to draw close to Him. He wants you to come close, and that's what James 4, verse 7 and 8 says, you know, draw close to me and I will draw, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. And, and the thing this morning that I want to say to you is God is really waiting for you. You are not waiting for Him. Stop praying, Holy Spirit, fall down. Holy Spirit, come shake me. Rain fall from the heaven. It's not biblical. The Holy Spirit is here, and He's waiting for you to open up your heart for Him. 
He's waiting for you and me not to have an emotional experience or just something. He says, come, just as you are, come. I learned this. Uh, many of you have heard this story, but I have to tell the story again. You know, one day we were sitting up there in Nigeria in the north. And so um, <clears throat> we, we went to one of these cru- crusades of Reinhard Bunker or these outreaches. And so he asked me to pray <clears throat> the morning with his team. So, so I'm sitting there. Now, I idol worshipped Reinhard Bunker. So I, I thought like Jesus, Reinhardt, angels, okay, in, in that order. I listened to every tape that you can find, you know, that you can, everything. So, so I'm going there, and I'm, I'm having my little notebook. I have my recorder. I bought a recorder so that I can ro- record. Now, I've listened to every sermon. So the first night when Reinhardt preaches, there's a crowd of almost a million people there. So he preaches on the blood of Jesus. Halfway through the sermon... I think, like, this is crazy. He's preaching the same sermon that he preached 10 years ago on the blood of Jesus. I thought, like, there must be a new thing, a new sermon. I must grab hold of that new thing, you know? Oh, my chuna. He almost preached exactly the same sermon until it came to the end. And the demon started to flee. And the crutches just was, like, lifted up all over the place. People got healed, paralyzed, people started to walk. And then my life changed. Why? Because I realized the gospel is still the same. (laughs) You don't add anything to the gospel. How do you take something away from a finished work or add something to a finished work? Well, Jesus said it is finished. So just preach the gospel. It has the same effect. Don't run off the stuff. Just preach the gospel. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so that next morning, now we must pray. And so I think like, whoa, this is going to be great. We're sitting in this place where we want to pray. And I'm beginning to pray. I said, Lord, Holy Spirit, thank you. Bring your fire down. Lord, bring from heaven your rain. Bring it it on, Lord. That's like, you know. And in the middle of my prayer, Um Umarainat interrupts me. He says, no, we don't pray like that. Oh, I'm thinking like, I'm sitting there. I, I cannot believe what I've just heard. My, the guy that I so worship has just stopped me and interrupted me in the middle of the prayer. I thought like, Lord, uh, rapture. Let it take place right now. Lord, earth, swallow me up. Lord, into my hands I commit your, my spirit. You know, I just thought like every prayer I can just like, Lord, this is the worst moment of my life. You know? <laughs> and so then he said, we don't pray like that. The Holy Spirit is here. Why do you pray as if the Holy Spirit is not here? You pray as if He must come down. He's here. Sure. He says, and then he said, continue praying. <laughs> I promise you, I just prayed Scripture from there because I realized He cannot rebuke me on Scripture. I says, Lord, thank you. Greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. Lord, I know my God can supply in all my needs according to the riches of Christ Jesus because I am His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Oh, Lord, I just bless you. I bless you that the, you, this is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. <laughs> you know, I really, I just, I use some ands and some ors in between the sentences. Because <laughs> I thought, I'm not going to be told that, you know, they, he, he can't interrupt me on Scripture, yeah? But isn't it amazing, even when we come to God in our prayer, we counsel God. We tell Him what He must do. Lord, you do this, and then I will do that. 
And the question is just then, who's serving who? Who's really serving who? Are we serving God or is He here to serve us? When, we, when they sit around, just listen to yourself praying. Now, some of you are going to want to stop praying. No, 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 don't do that. Just throw your heart at God. But we pray as if we are God. We counsel God. God, be with me when I write that test. God, be with me at work. God, you better change that guy's heart. Lord, have you not seen? As if God has not seen. Lord, can I remind you that Sandra is going through a tough time? He knows that. Come on. We must actually say, Lord, I remind myself that I need you. Because <laughs> we come to God and then we, we counsel Him. <laughs> we, we tell Him what He must do and when He must do it and how He must do it. And then we are offended if He doesn't do that. Whew. It's getting very quiet. Is this like a, a, a pre-reformed church? What type of, you know, I'm not saying anything against churches there. But, but hey, shake your neighbor and say, hey, he's preaching. He's t- telling you what to do. <laughs> okay. So, so the background of this story, and we're just busy with the introduction. Close the doors. Okay. We're going to get into trouble today. The background of the story is these lepers are going and they, they're just doing a religious thing. And in the middle of it, one of them, one of them realizes, I actually need to go back and thank you. Just say thank God. And then something in that process, as, as Jesus answers this guy, he says, go your way. Your faith has made you well. Do you know sometimes we can come to God, we can get stuff from God, and it requires zero faith because it's His Word. God cannot lie, so His Word will provide. He will always provide. But you know how few times we actually, especially in the West, we are so afraid to speak the truth. We are so afraid to step out in faith. Why? Because we've become a fearful generation. We're so afraid to say what God says. (laughs) We're so afraid to stand up, and that's why the salt has lost its flavor. And you know what Jesus said? When the church salt loses its flavor, it will be thrown outside and trampled underfoot by men. Meaning the world will walk over the church. The world will disregard your testimony. And so there's a call for boldness. There's a call to come back first to the source. Because some of us here this morning, we've lost the joy of our salvation. We've lost that awe of just the cross and who He is and what He's done. When you lose that joy of your salvation, you are in trouble, sir. When you start to think that the cross and what Christ has done on the cross is just like, yeah, it is just like something that has happened. It's just like ordinary. It's not ordinary. There the man of Galilee died for you and me and we were supposed to be there on that cross. We were supposed to hang there on that cross. We were supposed to feel the agony and the pain. Because it was our sins upon him. It was your sins. Not the world's sins. Your sins. My sins. And so when we lose that, we lose that awe of what Christ has come for, what he's died for. When you don't stand in that awe of the cross and you say, God, I boast only in the cross. It's the only thing. My sufficiency is in Christ. My everything. In you I live. I move. I have my being. 
you know what? Then we get very confused because what do you do when you, what's part of the armor that you put on? It's the helmet of salvation. It keeps you sane. Otherwise you get intellectual or confused or all over the place. Or you get depressed. Every morning put on the helmet of salvation. <laughs> the fact that God has saved you it will keep you sane in this world that we're living. It will keep you focused. It will keep your face like flint before him. And I love what David prayed. David said, Lord, unite my heart so that I can fear your name. He said, God, take away all the distractions. Unite my heart because I've got such a divided heart. It's work, it's family, it's children, it's everything all over the place. But unite my heart so that I can fear your name. That I can serve you for who you are. That I don't make a Jesus of my own culture or a Jesus that must come and serve me. A Jesus that is Lord of my life. And you know that scary part that Jesus, Lord of my life, means he's the owner, he's the possessor. <laughs> he's master. He can walk into your life any moment and just say anything and you must... Obey. Oh, the question is, do, does he really have that access to your life? Has he got that access to my life? And if you're really honest, most of us would probably say, I'm not so sure. Because I'm living my life. And I'm inviting Jesus to come and bless me in my life. But this morning, Jesus says, come, will you be part of his story? Called history. <laughs> will you be part of what he's doing? And that's why I said, you know, the harvest is ready, but you know, we've got a problem. It's the problem is the laborers. Luke chapter 10. He said the problem isn't the harvest out there, because the problem is people that are really laboring, that have laid down their lives for the cause of Christ. So when little David comes there on the scene, and his older brother, Eliab, talks a lot of nonsense and just says, Who are you? What, are you? what can you do here? I love what David's response is. He says, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause for us bigger than this? And so eventually when he goes against Goliath, do you know what happens? He sees how big God is. Goliath is so small because he looks at God. He doesn't look at Goliath. He says, I don't come to you in my own strength. I come to you in the name of the Lord of the hosts of heaven, Sabaoth, the Lord of the heavenly armies. So Goliath, you better get out of the way. And then he kills him and he cuts off his head to make sure he's dead, dead, uh, most dead. Okay. Goliath cannot even be resurrected, okay? Because he just went all the way. He said, God, if you said it, that settles it. I'm going to do it. Finish it. Turn to your neighbor and just shake them and say, hey, I'm watching you. Why are you sm still smiling like that? Listen to this in, in Romans chapter 16. And I love what Paul writes, especially at the beginning and the end of, of his writings, of his letters. He says, you know, that's where it gets very personal. <laughs> and he sort of, sort of says, sort this one out and sort that one out and let's focus on this and there's that one. But listen to this. I says, he says, now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Sure. We just want to say, love is in the air. I love you, I love you. Let's just love him. Paul didn't say that. He said, make sure that you stick around with people that don't cause offense and division and have a lots of smooth talk. 
but they've walked away from the simple truth. They walked away from a simplicity of the gospel of knowing that Christ is Lord and we are here to serve Him. They've walked away from that awe of who God is. He says, and, and you know, because if you start to, to get complicated in, in, and I'm not talking about doctrine, doctrinal stuff, I'm just talking about stuff in your heart. If you start to l- lose that awe, that simplicity of who Christ is, then, you know, well, then it's always who's better and who, who am I competing with and what's happening around me. And you always, you cause offense and you cause division because why are you not focused on Christ anymore? You're always focusing on the issues. And we do the same in our marriages, eh? We do the same in our marriages, and there's some, some husbands and some wives here today. You must go back and just ask yourself, why did God put us together? It's always a good question when there's a, a married couple that's fighting or they're not lack of connecting with each other. Then you must, don't start with, okay, who's right or who's wrong? No, 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 no. You're going to take years for that counseling. Because uh, some of them pull out those lists, eh? We're like, we're never forget, like the elephant, never forget, you know? And then there's 20 elephants in the room and 70 zebras and 80 rhinoceros and you don't know what is in that room. That house has been filled with a lot of stuff. But if it's a Christian couple, you always ask them, let's talk about why did God put you together? Why? Let's, let's just forget about all that stuff. Why are you? What, what, what did God say at the beginning? There's some of us that must do that in our relationship with God. Remind ourselves, why did God call you? What, just, just, just think about the, how did you get saved? <laughs> and, and for me, just to stay out of deception, I always have the privilege of having a lot of young people that just got saved. I, I just keep myself surrounded with young believers. Um, I just realized, because they always ask, like, why? Why are we praying like that? Why are we lifting up our hands? But gee, every Sunday morning we come to lift up our hands. Because that's what the charismatics do. Yeah, this, this is a nice rhythm. Diff, diff, whoo. Yeah. And some of us still, I know, is still half mast. We're almost there. But we'll just go like this. Like the benediction prayer. I bless those on my height, you know. But it's, it's. And some of us go like this because we're in receiving mode. And some of us go like this. Because we're in flying mode, and some of us go like this, you know, because we're in, I don't know what mode, but in any case, you know. But it's amazing how we re- religious we get with our rituals. <laughs> it's, a, it's amazing how we come in because we sing our two songs, and we do that, and ooh, you know, we psych, try to psych ourselves up to get into the presence of God. Well, the moment when you say Jesus, when you, the moment when you say that name, all of heaven stands to attention. So I have a friend, I have a, a friend in America, Steve, he, he also, work, also works for Christ for all nations, but he's like a crazy dude. I just love being around him. Because when everybody uh, abuses the name of Christ, and they say Jesus, because they're especially there, they, they especially, I don't know why in the movies, all that. But if you walk around and people abuse his name or misuse his name, then he always stops and he says, Hey, you just called on his name. Let's pray. <laughs> And then it's an unsaved person that really doesn't know what's going on. He says, you just call the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's listening. Come, let's pray. And then the guy will look. He says, because you can't just use that name. All of heaven is listening when you're saying the name of Jesus. So, that guy never swears again. He never blasphemes again, you know. Or when we get into the lift, he's always very funny in the lift. Because we always stand on the opposite, especially when the lift is full. 
Then he shouts. Sirs, just share your testimony. Share that, that thing that Christ has done. Just share with me quickly again. Do you know how long that lift ride feels for some people? Beautiful ministry opportunity. You've got a captive audience, you know. When that, those lift doors open, they just, everybody's out, you know. Some wanted to go to the 10th floor, but on the second floor, everybody's out, you know. Rather walk the stairs. But what an opportunity, you know. See, if you are in love with somebody, you talk about them. If you are in love with somebody, they, on your mouth and in your heart, you think about them all the time. You think like, what are they doing and what are they saying? And it just feels like words are just like, but it's just like all over, you know. I when when my my wife and I when I started dating her, you know, we'll make tea and we forget to boil the water. It was the best tea ever. Oh, this is so nice. When you finish, you realize it was ice cold, iced tea. But you know, we that's where iced tea came from from our dating, you know. Oh, I'd bake a cake, you know, and I, the first cake I ever ba- baked, last cake I ever baked, you know. But the cake, I didn't, nobody told me that I must open up the oven. You must not open up the oven's door halfway when the cake is being baked. Because as I opened up, half of the cake went like, Poof! I made double the icing. I'm not an engineer, but I built myself. I, I filled up that cake that it was flat. So I said to her, you're going to take half of the cake and I'm going to take the other half home. So I cut the half with all the icing. I ate that thick icing. I ate it. Ooh, I almost vomited afterwards, you know. But it's amazing what you'll do when you're in love. <laughs> you're just like the whole world is just like floating around you. But you know how quick it is that we lose that love for Christ? That we just, we're on our way pursuing our healing. We're wanting the priest to declare that we're free. We're coming to church, and then many times we run through a priestly system. Church should just be a celebration of what God has done in your life the whole week. If you come here to get an injection, if you come here to be pumped up, if you come here because this is the only time you spend with God, you're in trouble, sir. If you come here because you're just celebrating with other believers, and then when the pastor stands up and he preaches, he says, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just confirmation of what God has spoken to me about the whole, whole week. Hello. This is just a celebration service where we come corporately to worship God. But what happens behind that closed door every week? What happens in the morning when you wake up? Do you know that when we did this, these campus tours, I was just shocked when I saw that 80% of the, and most of them were Christians, that came to these student meetings. 80% of our students are struggling with depression, anxiety, fear. There are many of you sitting here today, you feel so heavy laden. If you come to Jesus and give it to him. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. But come to the real Jesus and come on His terms. Don't come on your own terms. Come to bring your heart. Bring everything. Bring your brokenness. Bring your leprosy. Listen to this. In verse 25, you can read all of that 
It says, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to faith, to God alone wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Oh, what a mouthful. I think Paul had to speak a lot because he had these long sentences. I don't know if you take five breaths, but every long sentence halfway through, I just have to breathe. I think like, okay, start all over again, you know. But listen to this. He says, now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospels. There were many other gospels. And like today, there are many other gospels being priests. Prosperity gospel and a grace gospel and a, all the other gospels, but not the gospel of Christ. And let me say this straight. If your gospel has got no repentance and holiness in, it's not the gospel. If there's no change, it's not the gospel. If there's no command or, or challenge to change, it's not the gospel. It's something that's itchy ears. If you stand in church and you just feel so good about yourself when you walk out, you're in trouble. You're in the wrong church. But if you felt like somebody took like a, a, a scrub borsel, you know, a, a steel brush and just brushed a little bit of that rust off then you know you're in the right place because that's the word the word of god i remember i think it was beginning of the year i wanted to preach this really motivational and we can do conquering and all that stuff and then the lord said the following words to me he says use the word as a sword not as a butter knife i said okay god i'll change my message because we sometimes want to butter around the stuff of god the word is a sword. It's going to cut. It's going to... Oh, oh. Change. Repentance. God says, come. But come as you are, yes? Don't come with pretense and don't come religiously. Don't try to fix yourself. Just come. Bring all your baggage. He's, he's going to sort it out. Don't try and convict yourself. Don't try and play the role of the Holy Spirit because we're not supposed to convict ourselves. We're just supposed to surrender <laughs> and to bring everything to Him. And this is what this story makes so beautiful about this leper just coming back. Say, so I realize that I don't, my full healing is not in the priest declaring that. Now the Bible doesn't say even if this leper actually went to the priest later. Because <laughs> Jesus says, go your way. He doesn't say that second time around, go to the priest. He says, go your way. Because your faith has made you well. Because there's only a specific group that comes back with such thanksgiving, such honor. They realize, you're the source. You're the source, Christ. Not my understanding or my doctrine or my church or my this. You are the source. And there's some of us, your redemption this morning, your freedom lies in just something very simple, thanksgiving. In Ephesians 5, verse 18 to 20, it says, Give thanks in everything. It says, When we even come together, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Okay, in easier, let me quote it correctly. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Next one. Giving thanks always for some things giving thanks always for your breakthrough <laughs> say it with me 
in things all things some of my some of you must bring your pain some of you must bring your suffering and say thank you god some of you must bring those unanswered prayers some of you must bring your isaacs put it on the altar before god say all things god all things if i want your fullness in my life all things Thank you that I have the privilege to know you. I told the story that, you know, when you come to the Middle East, I told you the other day in, in the church, when you come to the Middle East, you know, there's a couple of rules, when, especially when you minister to, to Muslims, you never place a Bible on the ground and you never place it on a chair. You always keep it above your waist. Never slam the Bible. This is a holy book. And you treat it with respect. But you, when you come to the Middle East and you find some of those Christians that have been praying for four years to get a Bible. And then when they come to church, they walk like this. Church is mostly small groups. But whenever they go, they just cling to the Bible. You'll, start, you'll talk to them, but that's all they do. They just keep their Bible. They won't even put it down. And so you've got 10 Bibles at home and you don't read the one. But they've been praying for 10 years just to get the Word of God. You come to China, especially in some of the persecuted places. Never forget, we met this one guy. His name is Luke. He changed his name, Luke. Because that's how they preserved the Bible is they would memorize the whole book of Luke. And so that guy would go around from church to church and he'll say, Luke chapter 1 verse 1. And he will memorize supernaturally and quote the whole book of Luke. And he'll become the word made flesh to people. And then you read, then you meet Matthew and Ecclesiastes. I don't know, I haven't met Ecclesiastes, but I don't know about lamentations and I think like crazy, you know, I don't know. So, you know, strength for you, brother. <laughs> you know, there's, there's some, some books that I, I don't know, how are you going to get through those genealogies, you know? But in any case, praise God for, for Luke, you know? Um, but, you know, how do we treat this thing? Is it just gathering dust in your home? The presence of God in this thing is your most valuable possession. Write it on your heart. Write it on your heart. Eat it every day. Make it your own. People, the church in the West, we are facing persecution. It's coming. We are facing persecution. If the church, there's a window of opportunity for the church in our nation and the West to stand up. If we don't do that, we are facing severe persecution. Why? Because we are asleep. We are in a comfort zone. We have lost the urgency. We've lost our heart. We've lost our first love. That's why Paul says, you know, God will establish you. But stay away from bad company. Stay away from the critical. Stay away from the negative. Stay away from the people that cause offense. Just avoid them, he says. There are too many people that are goats in the church. They're not sheep. Because goats bite, Pastor Jan George. Henny, they bite. And they destroy Sheep follow. If you put, I come from a farm. If you put the goats in that place, they pluck out everything. They destroy the place. 
Sheep follow. They're very dumb, but they follow. <laughs> I come from a sheep farm. I say, Jesus, that's not the greatest compliment ever. I'm dumb, Jesus. I'm following you. You know everything. But goats, oh my khuna. Always know what's wrong. Always know what is not happening. Always looking to the other side. Sheep follow. They follow because they know the voice of the shepherd. They've learned the beautiful voice of the shepherd. They've learned the shepherd speaking. The shepherd doesn't scream. The shepherd doesn't shout. The shepherd moves and he walks and he says, come follow me. You see, in Revelations, and I'm not going to read that scripture, the last part, because that airplane is starting already. In Revelations, it says, there are letters to the churches. <laughs> and the one scary one, I think, is a bit applicable to us. <laughs> talks about the first love. And it says there, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them lies. So it's talking to a church whose discernment and prophetic voice is very strong. It says you've tested the word. You know who are the false ones, and you're really walking in good works. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not cut off this, the rest of the scripture. And you have not, for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. I don't like the word nevertheless in Scripture. Nevertheless. <laughs> he says, all the stuff that you put on the table, all you're doing right, all your stuff, all your discernment, that's great. He commends us for that as the church, but he says, nevertheless. You've lost your passion for me. You've lost your desire just to come and throw yourself before the throne of God. So when last did you weep? Joel chapter 2 says that the priests that throw themselves between the porch and the altar, they just weep. Say, God, have mercy on us. God, don't take your presence from us. God, we want you. I want you to stand with me today because we're going we're gonna to pray that God will do that in our hearts. You see, one of the things God says in that scripture, He says, I'm going to remove your lampstand from you. <laughs> if you don't come back to your first love, I'm, you love, you, you know, you've even identified, He calls them the Nicolaitans, those people that, on sexual immorality and all of that stuff. He says, you are living such a pure life, pursuing and doing the right stuff. You are going to the priest. You're doing the right stuff. Good works. But good people don't go to heaven. Doesn't my anger say that? Believers go to heaven. Your, your and my works are filthy rags before God. It's not your works. Not what you do. It's what happens in your heart when you wake up every morning. What happens in your heart when you go to bed at night? Who do you think about? What do you think about? Who do you worship? Or is the anxiety and the pressure of this world so weighing you down that you cannot even see God? You're just facing the Goliaths in your life. 
Or you're in such a hurry to go and get your healing from the priest so that the priest can just say, Hey, be cleansed. You are cleansed from leprosy. Go free. But you realize you're missing the source of that freedom. And that's why I'm talking to the charismatic church today. We are so religious. The only reason why I can say that I'm speaking to myself, I'm preaching at myself today. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching at myself. Because God told me I'm religious in the way that I approach Him. (laughs) Now, Scripture says there's good religion and bad religion. Good religion is to look after the widows and the orphans. It's something very natural. But bad religion is when you think you've got good works and your good works are going to get you to heaven. Bad religion is when you really think that there's something good enough in you that you can come and to put on the table that can add something to the cross. Well, we are nothing. But because of His blood, He's declared us to not be orphans or slaves anymore, but we come to Him because He's washed you with His blood. And the blood of Jesus comes to set you free. I'm forgiven. I'm free. And sir, I don't care what you think about me. I don't don't care what you say about me. I only care what God says about me. Because one day I'm going to stand before Him alone. One day you're going to stand before Him alone. And do you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a much bigger screen than this one. It's going to be quite huge for the probably 10 billion, 20 billion, 100 billion. I don't know how many people are going to stand there before Christ. But there's going to be a big screen. And everything you've done, everything you've said, every motivation of your heart will flash on that screen for the whole world to see. Praise God. In many of those scenes, there's going to be a red screen flashing up and said, censored, removed, covered by the blood. Oh, hallelujah. I mean, I mean that's, that's sort of like, <laughs> I just saw some of you didn't take a breath there. I was thinking like, okay, anyway, we need to get some fans in here. Some people got a bit tense there. Where they're thinking like, they just flashed. Oh, my God, no, I can't believe people are going to see that. Oh, no, no. The only thing that will be in front of that screen that will make people is the blood of Christ. Not your works, not your prayers, not your efforts. It's simply the finished work of Christ. And do you apply that to your life? Do you believe that today? Because believers go to heaven. <laughs> what are you standing in faith for today? Because it's faith and obedience that really pleases God, not your good works. Maybe your faith is small and you just God has called you to do something very small for Him. Do it! Do it! Don't question, don't even question your motives. Just do it. Just say, God, here I am. You could have chosen many other people. Every day when I preach and I get the opportunity to speak about Christ in front of people, I'm reminded that I stuttered. I could not speak. I ran away from people. When I would just see two people gathering together, it felt to me like a crowd. I would run a mile. One day I had a dream. I'm not going to share the dream with you. But Jesus said to me, Will you speak for me? I said, God, no. And he asked me a couple of times. And I said, yes, God, I will speak for you. Because I will, every time that I speak in front of people, I'm reminded. And I remind myself of where Christ brought me from. A little obscure, come from a little farm, somewhere out of nowhere. 
ran away when people came to our farm. I was too afraid to speak. I was too afraid of people. I would look when the car came and then I'll run away and when they drove off, I'll go back to home. I cried for six months just to go to school because I was too afraid to speak in front of other people. My mother and father sent me a year later to school. I only went when I was seven. And they forced me <laughs> to go to school because I didn't want to go to school. I was too afraid of people. And here I'm standing. But what's your excuse today, sir? What are you holding before God that, th- that you think disqualifies you? I tell you, there's nothing. Lady, there's nothing that disqualifies you to be used by God. And so that's God's invitation today to us because there's some of us that have been following God for a long time and He says, hey, I want your heart. I want you to surrender because you've hardened your heart. I want to give you a soft heart. A heart like flesh. Yeah, but I'm too busy, Lord. I'm so busy with the children. I'm so busy with my work. I'm so busy. Are you going to use that as an excuse when you stand before the King of Kings? Oh, Lord, you know, I, I, I worked so hard so that, so that I can at least just survive. Is that what are we going to say when we stand before Him? I don't, want you, I don't want you to use those words, Lord, nevertheless. You worked so hard for me. You did all the right stuff for me, nevertheless. I don't want to nevertheless when Jesus and I have got face time when I get to heaven. I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, come. I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you. Well done. Yeah, I saw that suffering. Yeah, I saw all that stuff. But despite all of those excuses, you came to me. You searched for me. You came and opened up your heart to me. I'm so proud of you. Many times the devil came knocking on your door and you didn't run away. You just came. There's some of you that's like that. You're struggling in confusion, even in believing God today. But you know how pleased God is when you just keep on, just say, God, I'm going to stick with this because I know you have the words of eternal life. I know you've been there. You've spoken those words over me. Some of you, it's been 10 years or 15 years ago, and all you have is that word and you're clinging onto that word. God is faithful, I'm telling you. He will do what he said he will do. Let every man be a liar. God is alive and he's the truth and he never lies. He cannot speak a lie. He cannot lie. The devil, he's the father of lies. He tries to trick you into his lying. He tries you to believe he's lying. That's all he does. He steals, he kills and destroys. But so where's your heart today? How how did you connect and how, what, was, what was happening inside of you when we sang those songs or when you came here? Are you just doing it because you're on your way to the priests so they can speak a word over you? Or do you stop and you realize, oh, I'm a Samaritan. <laughs> I'm going to go back. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for my salvation. Thank you that I can know you. Thank you for the word. Thank you. Because we enter his courts with thanksgiving. See, if you lose that thankfulness, you lose something. If you lose the joy of your salvation, and some of us must come back to Him today. Some of us are going to step to the front. We're going to just come and sit here or kneel here and say to God, God, I've realized my life has become too busy. I'm running away from You. Pursuing a lot of things, but I'm running away from You. My first love. I'm running away from that place of just hearing Your words over me. 
So, Father, this morning, I want to thank you for these amazing people that have come all the way, Lord, and we could have been many other places. But I pray this morning, Father, that you will give us soft hearts, Lord. Only you can do. Only you can change a heart, Lord, that has been hardened. Lord, there's some people that are offended with you, Lord, because unanswered prayer. There's some people that are even bitter here, Lord. They're critical, they're negative. And we've become masters at keeping you at a distance. And we stand in the crowd and all we want to actually say is unclean, unclean, unclean. But today, Lord, we want to change our unclean words to thank you, thank you, thank you. I pray, Lord, that in this week you'll start to remind people, God, of the promises that you've spoken over their lives. The promises, Lord, that made them come to you in the first time, Lord. The promises that made them be hungry for you and just read the Bible every day. Just couldn't stop, Lord. Such a hunger, such a thirst for your righteousness, such a fountain of life that springs up, Lord. But some people, Lord, yeah, there's been a blockage in their wells, Lord. The world and people around them and even ourselves, we've come to throw sand and stone into that well, Lord. That is the, the fountain has dried up, Lord. There's no life-giving water anymore. So now we have to dig deep to get a little bit of water. We're in survival mode. We're just trying you, God. We just, we just feel like, Lord, we're worthless, Lord. But I want to thank you, Lord, that today you remove the, the garments, Lord, that we've placed or the world or people around us have placed on us, Lord, the filthy garments. Today, Lord, I pray that every person here will be delivered from spiritual leprosy. Be delivered, God, from just going through the motions. Because we know your heart for us, God. You will never turn your face from us. There's always an invitation, never accusation. And so, Father, this morning we want to we wanna throw our hearts. We want to open up our hearts, Lord. We want to say, God, shine your spotlight, Lord. Bring your conviction. Change, challenge, renew. Father, we repent of looking to other ways and just running to those things. Lord, we all have those things that we run to. It's idols, God, because we place those things or those places of peace, Lord. Maybe it's in our food, God. Maybe it's in, in our sport. God, maybe it's in our work. We place those things above you and it just becomes idols because we find our security in those things and not in you. But here we are this morning, God. We say we want to serve you. We want to serve you, God. We are here to worship you, God. And as we're going to, Father, just go into this time of worship, I pray that you give people soft hearts. Holy Spirit, only you can do that. Only you can turn. Only you can change. Only you can bring us, Lord, to our first love. Only you, Lord, can, can blow away all the nonsense, Lord, all the, the plastic bags that people have come to throw. And God is showing me a picture of there's a riverbed, and it's just been drying that riverbed for some of us here today. And, and there's a lot of plastic bags, and there's a lot of filth. And, and people came to dump all of their rubbish and their garbage in the river that is supposed to bring life-giving water to you. Like Jesus is a life-giving spirit. But there's just when you look at your river, you just look at rubbish bags. You just look at stuff that people have dumped there. Words that people have spoken. Things that they've told you. Never this and you're never going to do that. And you're always going to be there. And you're never going to. Father, remove those words. Even that we've spoken over ourselves to cause division and offense. Deliver us, God, from division and offense. Deliver us from the pain, Lord, that even people and sometimes the church, people in the church has done to us, God. 
We repent of taking up that offense, God, and then just becoming spectators. I want to thank you, Father, today for Pastor Eni and Pastor Jan George, God. I want to thank you for all the beautiful ministers and people here. Father, I pray that you'll give them a grace to run and not to grow weary. Father, give them a strength to establish a place where everybody can come. Bring their gifts to the altar. Father, everybody come and worship freely. Father, may this be a house on a hill. May this church, Lord, open the doors for leprosy. That the lepers won't stand outside. They'll come inside, God. Lord, we say, Lord, they don't need to go to the priest. They can just come into your presence and you'll heal them. Jesus, be Jesus. <laughs> That's what we pray. If you are backslidden here today or you, God is already speaking to you about your first love, I want you to come out quickly to the front and we're going we're gonna to just pray a prayer together. Maybe there's one person, maybe there's 20. The only reason why I'm standing in front is because I'm praying that prayer myself. I'm saying, God, the world has thrown so much stuff at me. The keys of this world, the things, the anxieties, the stresses, all this stuff, God. But today, today we're not looking for a new thing. Today we're not looking for a breakthrough. Jesus, we're looking for you. And when Jesus comes, he is the healer. He is the deliverer. He is the savior. He'll save you. Don't try saving yourself. 